Why should people <laughs> come to worship Jordan? What are they doing? They've got lots of other things they could be doing. Why should they come to worship? <laughs> Welcome to What We're Afraid to Say from the Pulpit, frank conversations about many things pastoral. Today, what's worship? Um, this is a good question. And and I think I'll be you know what, I'll be vulnerable and honest with it. Hey. Um it, I actually asked this question of our staff before COVID. The question came up because people are always asking, how can we get more young people coming to church? Right. Um, so then I asked the question of, if you weren't in your position, if you weren't getting paid to be here, would you be coming to church every week? Wow. And Great it just question. kind of, the sound just dropped <laughs> in the <laughs> room. And, and I said, it doesn't mean that you wouldn't come uh, at all. But I sure. imagine a lot of us would be coming sporadically. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be every single week. Um, that seems to be something that's harder and harder to do for people. Let's think. I was thinking of this the other night in preparation for this. Historically, I would want to say something like this. When I started ministry in seminary in the 80s, so I'm an associate in New Jersey and it's the 90s, the people on session, the inner core of the congregation, the people who are most involved in making decisions and bringing their kids and attending, uh, they were in church three or four out of five Sundays. Mm-hmm. Which is to say they're going to miss for two weeks in a row in the summer, and they're going to sometimes go for this reason. But I would say one of the main things that's changed over my career that I've noticed is that now people who are making the decisions, who mm-hmm. are writing the big checks, who are hiring and firing who are helping out with choir singing now they're in church two or three out of five sundays yeah it's it's just that drop of one and a half or two times a month has been huge yeah it's it's makes it extremely difficult for continuity uh what's happening in the life of the congregation right now yeah i used to say this and it's different being an interim because i don't have this kind of authority. I used to tell my elders in previous congregations, hey, elders, thank you for saying yes. And of course, session meetings are important and all your side work. But really, the most important thing I need you to do, I need you to be here Sunday mornings in worship or else you don't know what's going on about this place you're pretending to lead. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. Yeah. That decline, that decline, the secularization any number of things we could call it that's very real and I believe lies at the core of what? Everything else we've experienced as struggle in the church? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and I think it's even, uh, it's even harder in suburbia. Uh, More I options. Up, yeah, and I grew up in a rural area, so you're there's not as many churches. Sure. And that's or your much church. To do. Sure. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's your church for life. Your kids, huh. if they stay there, they go to get married there. Right. And and here it's very transient. Castle Rock is a transient right. community where people move in for a period of time and they move away. And um, so it's harder to create a core community that is here for a long mm-hmm. time. And New Hope to me has still has DNA of a small rural church because it started wow. in '89. Yes, and Castle it was. Rock was uh-huh. small, but now Castle Rock is—I just looked up the population. It's almost 80,000 now, uh, and I think that 
what I heard at one point they were planning on Castle Rock capping out at like 120,000. That's not a small community. Right. That may be small for some people coming from sure. big or Denver or something. Yeah, but it yeah, it's it's big. It's harder to create community and, and keep community in those larger settings and choices. Uh, you know, the consumerism of church, of people saying, well, I didn't get what I needed there. I'm going to go over here and check this out. <laughs> you use this term on Sunday. Tell us about the Walmartification <laughs> of, of churches. churches. Uh, the Walmartification of churches, um, trademarked by me. Uh, <laughs> it's, I don't know how Walmart would feel about that. Um, they probably love it. Yeah. They, <laughs> so the way I explain this is people will always ask, uh, like, you know, what's going on at those other churches like Plum Creek or Journey, these non-denom churches? Because it seems like a lot of people are going there. Right. Uh, Real jealousy, yeah. woundedness. Someone out there is doing it better and is succeeding and we're not. Right. And I think when big churches that start planting satellite campuses around mm-hmm. Um, they move into an area. They like to say that they're creating disciples, but really they're just pulling people from other churches. I could, I, it's countless how many people I know sure. from New Hope who went over to the new flashy church. Right. And so in my mind, if people want to be more like them, we have to make a lot of drastic changes in terms of worship and who we are. Uh, and also, I don't know if we can compete anyway, like, even if we wanted to. It's it's a it's a huge production. I mean, for us, just putting streaming together and figuring all that stuff out, this feels like a huge production. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They have a whole tech teams sure. that are paid uh, that set up lights and all that stuff. Uh, so when those churches move in, they pull people from all the churches, the mom pop churches right. uh, that have been in the community for years. And that's been going on for decades, this uh, Walmartification. Yes. So, yeah, the Walmart Walmartification <laughs> of this, the idea is, you know, when a Walmart sets up shop in a... Clears out. In a town, and all these mom pop shops suffer, right? Well, yeah, we used to say the same thing about Borders Books or Barnes mm-hmm. & Nobles. Yeah. That I, of course, I miss both of them now that they're all but out of business. Right. Um, what a short life that was. Uh-huh. Yeah. And but but now some of those more trying to come back a little bit. Yeah. Stores are coming back. You're listening to what we're afraid to say from the pulpit. There's much to be said for it. It's very attractive. It's mm-hmm. really high quality production, yep. as in sound video. Mm-hmm. It's good. Might not be your taste depending on where you right. are, what that music is, whatever. Or the preaching as we've mm-hmm. talked about. A little different. Mm-hmm. Oh, could... Uh, <laughs> Go so. ahead. Did you just think of a whole other <laughs> podcast episode that we have to do? Maybe. Uh, it's more of... Because it was a conversation we had often in seminary is the emotional manipulation of worship. Oh, good Lord. But that, that could be another one. I think that, sh- that, that is spectacular, and we need to talk about what well, I thought of this. We were talking about preaching earlier, last yeah. episode. Um, the same thing, that, I, that edge of vulnerability versus yeah. manipulation. How often do you cry in worship as a preacher? Let's hold off that for another time. Mm-hmm. Would I be coming to worship regularly? What a great... It, and the answer, of course, if I found a community that I really liked. Mm-hmm. It'd be hard for me especially to find a preacher that I could stomach. 
yep. given Christendom. Mm-hmm. But I know there's some that might even hear this podcast who I know well that I could put up with listening to. Mm-hmm. When uh, a while years ago, struggling with my sense of call, and I was uh, wondering if I should, in fact, go get a, a doctorate, a PhD, and go teach. And I thought, well, first thing I thought was, what would I do Sunday mornings? Well, I wouldn't have to go. But then I thought, well, what I'd want to do is, I'd want to go see if I could, you know, if Steve Poos Benson had let me do a five-week Bible study or something like that. And then I wonder if I could play my guitar or play piano because I love leading in music. And then I thought, wait a minute, I have to recreate all the stuff I'm already doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a draw where the wrong people to ask who've been raised in the church. Yep. How many Sundays have I missed mm-hmm. in my life? Well, we're in a, a vast minority. Um, although I should say this, there's always a couple of elders, the churches I go to, who are in worship more often than I. Because <laughs> yeah. I take my four weeks of vacation yeah. and two weeks study leave, and they're there, especially on those Sundays, because they want to support the visiting pastor, yes. want to make sure the offering gets taken for mm-hmm. hilarious and precious. Yeah. Jordan, are we, are we here uh, to glorify God? God needs us in worship. God requires us of you, Jordan, to be singing praises and standing up. I don't notice you raising your hands very often. I was going to talk to you about that. Yeah, I'm not a... <laughs> if are we really giving ourselves emotionally, spiritually vulnerability to, to God's praise? That's how you were raised, isn't it? Well... Somewhat? Somewhat, yeah. And in college, Michelle and I went to a, a huge mega church for a while. <laughs> Oh, and and this, this might give some insight into how people choose things. Because for us, we chose that church because they had a Saturday night service. And as a college kid, we could sleep in on Sunday. Well, we to there's get up and... be- beautiful reason enough. <laughs> and hey, Catholics are way ahead of us on this with their Saturday yeah. night mass precisely for that. Mm-hmm. Either going skiing the next day or it's the only day they have off to yeah. relax. Yeah. And then um, also being a big mega church nothing was required of us oh, we could well. just go sit there enjoy the music enjoy the sermon Did... and leave um but you must have had a stewardship sermon a couple times a year asking for money you must have yeah. been invitations to join life groups and things uh i don't remember the life group piece at all at that church i do remember money talk about that i think i actually tried to get involved at one oh. point and it just being a big church you could fall through the cracks easy when you're trying to communicate. Sure. You want to get involved. But I was also yeah. a college kid that I didn't try yeah, real exactly. hard. Exactly. How uh, many churches have effective college ministries? I mean, come on. Yeah. That's a rare bird right there. But maybe to answer that, this is more, this is a theological conversation now. Oh, uh, we allow that here. <laughs> um, does God need us to worship? Yeah. I don't think God needs us to worship him. Uh, Hold it. That's huge because I can think of, maybe not, maybe maybe I'm not even speaking to our congregation now, New Hope, they're beyond this. Right. A lot of our contemporaries are probably a little older than me, even yeah, yeah. so much older than you, would say, no, worship is a requirement, and mm-hmm. because God needs us to be praising, or need is probably not the right word there, but I'm very intrigued, of course, and in agreement with your situation is... That would be oh, a very... What do we need this for is a better question, maybe. Right. I was like, if God really needs that, then that's a pretty egotistical God, oh, that's... narcissistic God. <laughs> oh, uh, wow. You may need to cut that out. I'm, edit quick. <laughs> it is 
more for us. I, I think God delights in us worshiping God. Oh, thank you. That's a nice word. God delights in us learning and growing. Sure, being loving, being uh -huh. in community. Right. Lots of good reasons there. Find here next week the conclusion of Jordan's and my conversation about uh, worship, including this. I can't tell if it's bad or not from your face. <laughs> oh, are you kidding me? I'm trying to decide what new podcast I should open up just to make sense of your last four minutes of just beautiful, vulnerable uh, explication of parenting and infertility and hope and need. Absolutely beautiful, my friend. We finished today talking about God's needs uh, versus our needs. I, th I guess think of it in terms of whenever we use the image of God as father or, or mother, uh, parental figure, some people can't be parents, but does that, does that mean they're missing something, that they're not getting something that parents are getting? Um, and then that also means you don't need that to live because those people who don't have kids are still living, right? And <laughs> it's, uh, it's, so if we're just thinking God needs it, right. then we're missing a whole big right. piece of it. It's, we need it. We need to be closer to God. Absolutely. We need our hearts changed all Absolutely. the time. Uh, to be reminded of something bigger than ourselves. Uh, so I really think worship is more about we need it. That makes a lot of sense. Where else in our world, and the answer is not much, do we get an invitation to be drawn out of our own narcissistic, yep. sinful, <laughs> crappy, all about us, mm -hmm. an invitation to uh, uh, towards reality, capital R, that is beyond us and includes much more. Yeah. Um. <laughs> well, and if we believe that God has always been, we don't know how long always been has been. And at, <laughs> right. at some point, God's love overflowed to create all of us. There we go. Oh. You know? And An overabundance of love. Yeah, so at one point, God didn't really need, need us. God right. wanted us. Um, out of the love, the outpouring of love that God had. This must be love. I'm this must be love. Thanks for listening to What We're Afraid to Say from the Pulpit. This must be love.